Money FM 89.3, the best of Saturday mornings. International News Review. And welcome back to the show. Glenn and Neil with you on the uh, Money FM's International News Review. Steve Oaken joining us from sunny Southern California. Steve, let's get started. Uh, this week in the region here, it was a big week uh, for Thailand, right? They have a new interim prime minister who is definitely uh, causing tongues to wag already and the implications of his uh, of his reign, however long it will last. Um, but this uh, is further... Uh, bringing the story to the fore of, you know, the military took over uh, and, um, and, and you know, what is the future for Thailand now that everybody's opening up and what could that look like for business, et cetera, et cetera. Steve, where, where do you think we're at right now, even though we don't yet know who the full-time PM is going to eventually be? Well, I mean, and this gets to the whole question of rule of law. It gets a question of, of, of faith and competence uh, and confidence in, in government. Because what happened here is you, you had the, the coup, you had the military coup uh, eight years ago. And the, the prime minister for the past eight years, Prayut, um, he put in term limits. He said that no one can be prime minister for more than eight years. Mm. Um, and now that his eight years are up, uh, he said, well, no, but that didn't really count from the time I became prime <laughs> You got to love it. it yeah, it, only, it started in 2019 or something when the new constitution started, was passed. <laughs> well, did it start in 2017? Did it start in 2019? But of course, it didn't start eight years ago because that would mean he would have to step down. Right. And, and, and so surprisingly, um, basically, the, 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 the court in, in Thailand has said, you know, we're going to take a look at this. Is it going to be? Are you up now or is it going or do you have some time left? Um, and in this interim period, as we're reviewing the constitutionality of, of whether or not you can be prime minister, mm. um, you're going to have to step down. Uh, and so there's a lot of things to watch. Um, and I use I use the word watch because the, the now acting prime minister, uh, uh, Prowitt, um, was known for wearing all of these very fancy luxury watches a few years ago. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, and um, he then got questioned as to why he had all of these very, very expensive watches and didn't disclose his ownership of these watches, which would have been uh, illegal under their corruption laws. And he said, well, he was just borrowing them. People mm. were giving him watches to wear, mm. to borrow. They weren't really his. We know how that uh, is here so, at the studio. Yeah, we get that. Yes. Yes. So, so, the, so the watch, so the watch, uh, the watchman is now uh, in charge of the country for some short period of time. Potentially, we'll see what happens on his watch. Yeah, yeah, on his watch. And that, and that watch you gave me, Steve, that Rolex to come on the show. That was just a gift, right? There was no strings attached to it, right? <laughs> Did you file with SPH that you got uh, that you got this gift? I'm a busy man, Steve. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. But yeah. bring it back to Thailand. I mean, yeah. I wanted to ask you this. You know, he's very close guy friends with the guy who's been suspended. He also has a military background. How does this? affect the business community, if at all, that this military junta seems to be firmly established in place now in Thailand. Does it make regional businesses in potential investors nervous or is it business as normal? Well, you know, I, I think the, you know, what people are really watching is what's going to happen if the court reinstates uh, you know, pray, re, re, reinstates the prime minister, because that is likely to lead to the same types of protests we had seen in the past. And and, it, it, you know, it got pretty violent um, in Thailand 
uh, in you know a couple of years ago, and you had twenty, thirty thousand people, and you had a lot of the students coming out mm-hmm. because the government. Um, has not been doing a good job. It did not do a good job um, uh, in terms of the economy. It did not do a good job in terms of accountability, in terms of transparency. There were, you know, charges of, of, of nepotism. And so now, if if the if if all of a sudden um, Prayut is found to be given another three years, five years, whatever it is in his term, you could see protests again. And what is that going to lead to? So I, I think in the short term. What businesses are really watching is, is, is Thailand going to hold up rule of law? Um, is it going to have a, a transition? Um, and then how is the, the military regime going to react to that? When are elections going to come? So I think it's more of a short-term question because medium term, I mean, Thailand has not been doing as well as most people think it should be doing, mm. given the size of the country, its resources, the great people who are there. Um, its center as a hub within Southeast Asia uh, in, 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 you know, connectivity with China and India. I mean, it really should be doing well, and it's not. But I would say short term, there's a risk uh, if if the court reinstates Prayut as to are there going to be more protests and what will that mean for business? Yeah, the uh, the acting leader Prawit uh, and Prayut, the former or uh, suspended prime minister, uh, to uh, get back to Neil's point, were both in the Queen's Elite Guard, which is the you know the palace guard, uh, and also apparently Prawit is seen from what I've read as a as a real power broker, not only within his own party, political party, but also within the military uh, and and its close relationship with the palace. So this is a guy that is definitely connected who could make positive changes if he wanted to based on the power that it seems – He co-founded he, the party. Yeah, that he seems to wield, right? Uh, and, uh, and, and you know, will it be that or will it be what we've seen time and time again across many Asian nations, which is a power grab, a money grab, a, you know, whatever – uh, still a little bit too early to to tell on that, but certainly the critics are out there cautioning against or or saying that this is a real possibility. Uh, and of course, the other side would say no. It indicates it indicates uh, some sort of um, uh, stability within the government. Uh, and what what should business now actually look for, Steve? Um, signs that things are on the right track or maybe on the wrong track. Aside from whatever the court's going to decide uh, about whether Prayut can can still be prime minister. Well, I mean, how is, is, is Thailand has all of the economic challenges um, that all the countries in, in Southeast Asia face? I mean, even more so, how do they come out of the pandemic? How do they mm, get mm. Uh, tourism back? What are they going to do in terms of, of all the supply chain challenges that are coming up? How are they going to balance off uh, the U.S. Uh, and China and all the tension that's happening in the region? And, you know, you've now got the, the, the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, of which Thailand uh, is a member. There's, there's possibilities there to address challenges when it comes hmm. to the supply chain, when it comes to digital trade. But if Thailand doesn't have a strong leader um, who can bring the business community and the government and the people together, will Thailand be left out of the advancements that come into the Indo-Pacific economic framework? Hopefully that come out of this. We have our first ministerial coming up uh, in September. Um, Thailand's hosting APEC this year, which is a huge year and a huge opportunity for Thailand. So so there are, you know, there, there are ways for Thailand to move forward. But if, if you have a caretaker military government, that doesn't seem to be the recipe to take advantage of it. Yeah. Steve, let's move on to our second topic. Uh, we all know about 
about the uh, the FBI searching Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago um, uh, palace uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, getting uh, 11 boxes in addition to the 15 boxes they already got of uh, secret documents, some, some classified, some not. Uh, now the – the affidavit, the actual document, court document that the FBI submitted to the judge to get uh, access to his um, to his place in Mar-a-Lago has been released. Uh, it is uh, causing tongues again to wag on both sides of this discussion. Uh, what, what do we know so far about what was in that affidavit? Well, I mean, what we've seen is that the the documents that president, the former president, which is interesting, you know, in, in terminology, we, we, you know, when I was in government, you referred to the president as POTUS when you write it down, P-O-T-U-S, president of the United States. Well, this affidavit re- referred to Donald Trump as F-POTUS, former president <laughs> of the United States. But I think F-POTUS may stick as a nickname uh, with some people. So what, what did the affidavit say about F-POTUS? It said that documents he gave back included uh, things that were labeled no foreign, N-O-F-O-R-N. And that meant that those documents could not legally be shared with a foreign government because to do so would put the U.S. national security uh, at risk. Some of these documents were were labeled SI, um, and that's an abbreviation for special technical and intelligence information. And this is related to how the United States surveils foreign governments? What are the tactics that we use? What did we find out? Who found out about it? And so these are incredibly, incredibly sensitive. And in these documents, the ones that Donald Trump gave to the, the, the government previously um, would certainly be in violation of the Espionage Act if they were to be given, um, uh, if they were to be made public, if foreign governments or foreign nationals were, were, to, were to find out about them. So if this is what he gave back, what was he keeping? Mm. What was he holding back? How much worse could it have been? So there's really now a huge urgency um, that the government showed of why it needed this search warrant um, to go in to F. POTUS's residence and get all of these documents back um, at the huge political blowback that, that we've seen. But but the attorney general said we had to do this. Hmm. Well, on, on that point, Steve, I'm just looking at The Guardian here, and it says the Justice Department had good reason to believe there were crimes being committed in specific areas of Mar-a-Lago, obviously Trump's home. Uh, the foyer to his residence, known as Pine Hall, of course it was, his 45 office and a storage facility, among other locations. Now, we can brush over this, Steve, but these allegations are extraordinary. You have the Justice Department saying the former president has committed actual crimes in his home. Where does that leave him? We've talked about it before. Could he face a possible trial? And where does it leave the Republican Party? Because now you've got the Justice Department itself alleging crimes, actual crimes being committed by the former president. Well, look, it, it certainly seems that that a crime has been committed, and that crime would be that you have mishandled sensitive documents and you've removed them from a secure facility. It, Donald Trump and, and Glenn, and we had talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Donald yeah. Trump saying, well, I've declassified the documents. That's irrelevant. Mm. A, a, decla- a An unclassified document that could harm national security is still a violation of the Espionage Act. And so there's no question 
it would certainly seem from this affidavit and, and from what the Justice Department was able to retrieve and what it had not yet been able to retrieve, that there were violations because there were these sensitive documents that were mishandled. They were not kept in a secure area. Now, the question becomes, are you going to indict and prosecute the FPOTUS over this? And and now what's the harm right now? If, if, if they didn't fall into the hands of a foreign government or foreign intelligence service, if, if Donald Trump, if, you know, if there was, you know, kind of a no harm, no foul mm. uh, situation, do you really want to put the country through uh, the type of violence that's almost certain to occur by the supporters of the former president? So that's the, those are the types of things we need to find out. But I, I think that it, it, it's why you see, and, and Glenn, you had said, you know, this sets off people on both sides. The Republicans who were very vociferously defending, you know, Trump uh, initially when the FBI executed the search warrant, they've changed their tune. Um, they are not nearly as far out there as they were before because they now they know we're talking about serious breaches mm. and potential breaches of national security. Steve, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this, but but bring us back just one more time briefly. What can a former government official take with them? You know, for example, we know presidents have presidential libraries and they have their papers there. You mentioned as a government, a former government official yourself, that you had to turn over everything, all your notes and everything. What what can they take with them? I mean, really, you're, I mean, the starting point is you take nothing. Um, you certainly don't take anything uh, classified. Right. You don't take anything that would be necessary for the government to have a record of what you did. So, for example, if I took notes um, on a rulemaking process when, that I had worked on when I was at the Department of Transportation, if I took notes of how we investigated aviation disasters, um, that's important for the government to keep. That's not mine. That's mm. the government, my notes, but it's the government's property. Mm. And so that all has to get turned back for the government. Now, of course, it can, if you have photos that you've taken, you know, those are your personal photos. You could probably take a copy of those, um, depends where it was, what camera. I mean, you can get into a little, you know, kind of a technical discussion. Sure, there are some things that are, that are personal, um, but not a lot. I mean, when you're acting on government time, you're a government employee. It belongs to the government. And especially when it now is either classified documents, then there's a whole other set of rules. Right. Or if they're sensitive documents for mm. national security, you can't take any of those. Yeah. Um, okay. when, when, Barack, I just say, when, when yeah. Barack Obama wrote his book um, and he wanted to refer back to things, um, and some of which were classified documents, they would be brought to him. He would he would read them, and then they would go back into the you know the military who was ever you know, the intelligence service was was bringing those documents. They go back. He didn't have those documents. Nobody has those types of documents. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Let's, I was yeah. going to say, moving on to a story that I particularly like, mm. as you won't Please. be surprised to learn, and I think it has particular relevance to Singapore. Reminds me of the guest we had on last week, the Audi guy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Who was promising to do, mm-hmm. to do something similar, which is, Steve, California regulators have voted a sweeping plan to restrict, and this is the good part, ultimately ban the sale of gasoline-powered cars by 2035. A real groundbreaking move and a positive move, I think, for America and the world, Steve. Yeah, and you think about it, I mean, California it would be, in and of itself, the 10th largest per- purchaser of, of automobiles. It'd be right behind France and Italy. And so what California does, it will really move automakers. Um, and then not only is California 
such a big market itself, but other states will follow California's lead as they often do. So this can really force the automakers to, to be much faster in their transition um, to electric vehicles. Um, and it'll force the whole supply chain to come along with it. So um, California acted. Uh, the Biden administration has to approve what they did and they will. They've already said that they will. Um, so it's just great news if it lasts. And that's kind of, we, we want to watch that as well. Is there a chance that it could be reversed? Mm. Well, there's two ways it could potentially be reversed. One way it could be reversed uh, is if, uh, you know, F. POTUS Trump becomes POTUS Trump again. Um, and then he could say what California did is illegal under mm. the, um, uh, under the uh, uh, Clean Air Act. I think it's Clean Air Act. And so he could then say California state law violates federal law. And then all of a sudden the California law goes away. So it could it could be overturned by a new president. Um, in addition, um, there's a group of attorneys general from Republican states that have filed a loss a lawsuit challenging California's ability to set its own pollution rules. And this 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 falls yeah. under that. So it's possible that the Supreme Court could find that, of course, I think the irony is lost on no one is Cal is, is, is these Republican states ban a woman's right to have an abortion. They then say, well, but California can't act when it's in its mm -hmm. own interest as they see it. So so there are two challenges, one one now, one potential one. But hopefully um, like California will go through for all of us who want to see you know, uh, us get to closer to net zero. We do indeed. On that point, Steve, you mentioned they are the biggest car developer seller buyer in America. What knock-on effect will it have for other states in the United States? Will others follow? Yes. And it's a question of how many. I mean, when California sets emission standards for catalytic converters or, or the like, other states just piggyback onto that. And in a way, it's better for the automakers because you don't want to have you know, if, if you're going to make one set of vehicles for California, which is your biggest state, are you going to have a different production line? Mm -hmm. And so it's just better in a way for the automakers to have other states follow. Um, and you've seen very positive statements coming out from GM and from Ford um, in terms of what California is trying to do. So, yes, you'll have other states piggyback. on. it'll be a question of how many. But and this is where the Republican attorney general say that California becomes a de facto national state. Standard, um, mm. And that's their argument against allowing them to do this, that this should only be done at the federal level, which, of course, it wouldn't because it'll get blocked yeah. uh, typically by a Republican. Glenn, didn't, didn't Audi have a similar year, 2030 something, right? I, I think remember. it was something like that. Yeah, yeah we had our guest yeah. on last week and he said they are going to be completely electric. They're not even going through the hybrid phase. No. But Audi is going to be completely electric. I think it was by 2034. Maybe uh, yeah, it, it was that, around that, that area. It was around. It's there. coming up. I yeah. mean, it's it's actually quite close. And I and I believe other uh, U.S. manufacturers have also indicated uh, similar moves uh, on that. Okay, we'll take a look. We'll see how that uh, story uh, develops in coming uh, days, weeks, months. Uh, now, finally, let's let's end on a light note. Uh, Steve, have you ever gone out for a hike and been hungry halfway through the hike, and maybe you forgot your trail mix, or maybe there wasn't something nearby? You're out in the forest or whatever. Well. A, uh, a group of hikers went to the top of Mount Fuji, and I have climbed to the top of Mount Fuji, so I know it's a hot, dry I've hike up yeah. to the top. Uh, and then they decided to order some food, and it was delivered. <laughs> have, have we reached the height of insanity when it comes to food delivery or what? I think this story may just prove it. 
Oh, wait, Glenn, I am calling BS on this story. Really? There is no way this story is true. So okay. Glenn's referring to a New, a New York Post article. <laughs> Consider the source. And, and just for the context <laughs> of our listeners, give listeners a view of what New York Post is like as a tabloid. <laughs> I think that's important to say. Also, New York Post is owned by Rupert Murdoch. Now, Neil, you can tell what a, a, a template <laughs> Rupert Murdoch means. I, I worked for Rupert Murdoch in Australia, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but they have pictures. They have pictures of the delivery guy, the the, uh, the the guy going up the hill, going up the mountain. Oh, Glenn, you are so nice. Glenn, you are so nice. It's uh, a Gojek right. guy, or we should call Gojek okay, and, oh, oh. and find okay, out right, for sure. All right, look. Okay, so Glenn's referring to is this New York Post article says that a, a Gojek delivery person in Japan went to the top of Mount Fuji because these hikers were hungry. Hmm. Now, look, this is either a hoax, it might be guerrilla marketing, yeah, or it could be somebody involved in cosplay, whatever that means. <laughs> I don't think they well, cosplay as Gojek delivery people, but anyway, yeah, okay. So, you never know. So, so... First of all, I looked up. I looked up on the interweb. Uh, Gojek doesn't even deliver in Japan. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Second, there's a video of this Gojek. I'm put using air quotes. Alleged, yeah. On Facebook mm. Live. There's this, a, a, a Gojek driver who is wearing an Indonesian flag. I saw on that. His I saw that. Yes. Now I'm watching this like the Zapruder film. They're correct. <laughs> I watched like five Is there a second uh, delivery? No a second way. delivery guy somewhere <laughs> in the hill on the There's grassy, a grassy knoll? knoll where you can see. There's, There's definitely no a second way. shooter. You're definitely a second shooter. An Indonesian jacket. An Indonesian flag on your jacket for delivery is go jack. And then there was an article, an article like about two or three days ago, yeah. where Domino's delivered. To the top of, of Mount Fuji. <laughs> and then I read there's this guy in Japan mm. who likes to hike and climb Mount Fuji, and sometimes he wears delivery clothes ah. because he gets a lot of people looking at him. There you so, go. so when when Glenn put in the chat um, this story, you know, <laughs> me, me, Neil, and Glenn now have a chat. We're official. Yeah. So we had this WhatsApp chat, and and, and Glenn puts a story, in, and I'm like, okay, I got to hold back. <laughs> How is he falling for this? How is Glenn falling for that? I get the New York Post falling. It was early. <laughs> it was early in the morning. I was weak, Steve. We, we I was weak. cheering up. Yeah. <laughs> CNN, Glenn, your CNN background should have picked this up right away. Steve, you are right wasted away. at McClarty. You should be on Daily Plaza, <laughs> Dallas, mm. with all the other conspiracy. <laughs> And, and looking out for, you know, second shooters, grassy knolls. And when you've done that, you should be looking at Flat Earth. You, uh, Roswell, get you down to Roswell. He can sort that out as well. Steve, now, wait, wait, it, thank you for putting could, a smile this. Could be, this could be guerrilla marketing. Maybe Gojek's going to open in Japan. Yep, and yep. this is their way of, of getting global attention. Who knows? I, I, I'm, I'm into the hoax I mean, this, Japan has a lot of already that. really good delivery services, right? That <laughs> right. it would be hard to compete against, I would think, by an Indonesian firm. But who knows? You never know. All right, buddy. Hey, thank you very much. Safe travels back to uh, the U.S. We'll see you here in the studio next Saturday. See you in person next Saturday. All right. Take care. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.